stands out in your mind from the time we were together day before yesterday. Somebody share with us something that is still impressing you? You can follow up. What about the men of Issachar? What did they have? Understanding. Understanding of the times, and as a result, they knew what? What Israel ought to do. Does it make a difference what time it is? Oh, yes. Makes all the difference. Thank God we can know what to do if we know what time it is. What time is it? It's the last hour, isn't it? The last hour. Why has Jesus put the health work the health message, medical ministry, in the third angel's message. Gary, you got a thought for us on that? Well, this is a, we just know that this is the best way that we can bring this to pass. Mm-hmm. Through, the, through the health message. We must be sanctified holy, body, soul, and spirit. Mm-hmm. He knows our human nature. He knows that if we break his laws, we will break all of them, including those in our human bodies. Thank the Lord for the blended ministry for body and soul. Now, what is the goal of it all? Ken? The goal of our work is souls. Souls. To get a people ready for Jesus' coming, is that right? That includes, first of all, winning them to Christ and the truth, but it includes a development. This includes us. We're to be developing day by day, and we're to be reaching out and winning others. Brother Warren Wilson has something interesting to share with us this morning. I think it's an illustration of some of the various ways that God uses on this campus and its outreach in uh, getting hold of souls. I don't know all of the I don't know all that's involved in this particular experience, but uh, probably I know that some of you have had a share in uh, this little experience I'm going to tell this morning. Uh, how many of you are acquainted with uh, LeBron and Kathy McBride? Several of you. Well, uh, Dr. Bushnell had uh, this young man in his, uh, one of his classes, one of his classes over where he teaches, and uh, uh, saw in him a, a real potential, saw, him an, saw in him an honest soul and uh, gave him great controversy. Talked to him quite a bit, and a while back, uh, LeBron was interested in coming to Wildwood as a student, you remember? Well, he came over, he and his wife came over and spent the weekend at our house. This was my first acquaintance with him. <clears throat> He's a Nazarene. She has no uh, religious background of any kind. He was interested in her learning to cook and some of these things. But he told me the other day the reason that they didn't come was for fear 
that we would try to talk them into being Adventists. And so they didn't come. Well, it was all in the Lord's plan. And the young man has a job. One of his biggest worries, concerns, is this job he has. And the reason he's concerned about his job is because he doesn't have anything to do. He, uh, he's a consultant for these uh, underprivileged and young people like this, trying to fit them into some kind of a work program. Some days he won't have a single, single student. And so, but uh, I told him, I said, well now, LeBron, do you think the Lord led you into that class? He said, yes, he led me into that job. He makes good money. I said, how would you have gotten time to read all these books if you hadn't had this, this particular job? <laughs> and he has recently read Great Controversy, Christ's Object Lesson, Steps to Christ, uh, Ministry of Healing, and they're almost through with the Czar of Ages. And uh, they're just absorbing these books. And he's been teaching Steps to Christ in Sunday school class. Uh, he recently attended the cooking school over in uh, um, at Foods for Life. I don't know if he was there, he and she were there at all of the meetings, but they were there at a good many. And he was telling me that um, we're eating some wonderful food since we went to the cooking school. But he called me. I saw him over there. I talked to him quite a bit, quite at length. And then he uh, called up and asked if he could come visit me. Well, we had called him and gotten him to some Friday night vespers and things of this kind. And uh, so he uh, called him, told me he wanted to come see me. So I uh, made an appointment with him evening before last. Came over, spent a couple hours with me. And uh, he was back on this thing concerned about his job. This is when I told him that I felt that his job was really a providence. It had given him time. When do you get time to read this many books? You know, just one right after the other, as he said. And uh, he said, well, he said, uh, Kathy and I have made our decision to join the Adventist Church. Mm -hmm. And he said, one of the reasons that I didn't come to Wildwood as a student was for fear you'd try to talk me into being an Adventist over at Wildwood. He's here, we've talked ourselves into it. <laughs> and uh, so he, uh, then he, he, he told me that he had told, uh, told the church that he was going to leave the Nazarene Church and join the Adventist Church. So the minister came to see him and was most kind. Said, uh, he said, it was just showed a wonderful Christian spirit. Said he, he said, uh, they're leaving when his Sunday school class ends. I forgot whether it was the first or the last of April. He said, well, now, what do you think I should do about my job? I said, well, LeBron, I wouldn't worry about my job. I said, what I'd do is take the next step I had light on. And I said, I think that's your baptism. And he said, well, that's what he, kind of the way he felt about it. I said, after you've taken the step you have light to take, the Lord will lead you in, in the other steps. But you notice the different people involved in this, the Bushnells, uh, the cooking school group, um, Elder Frizzi's Vesper service, and, and people that just met them when we're kind to them. It's just quite a it, um, These people don't have any one person that, they can, that they're disciples of. It's, it's really a wonderful experience. I'm, I'm, um, I'm steering him to St. Elmo to church. It's the closest one he will have. And I'm also steering him to Friday Night Vespers as a regular thing. Uh, that he needs this to start the Sabbath properly. I think with all of the um, all of the things we have going around here that all have evangelistic potential, it's a shame to miss out on any of them. He has already interested one of his one of his church members in in what he's doing. I, he asked me if I thought he ought to quit going to the Nazarene Church, and I said, not unless the Lord leads you that way, because I said, you may bring a bunch of those good people into the church. 
So these are people to pray for. Thank you. You notice that uh, in addition to the lines of influence that Brother Wilson mentioned, uh, Brother Wilson used this young man's coming a number of months ago to talk about being a student as a means of contact and also in writing them to uh, uh, the home. Uh, look at Hebrews, the 13th chapter, and the 17th verse, the third line. What's the verb? Watch. Watch what for? Watch, yes, but what are they watching for? For souls. That's right. That's you and me. It's talking about leaders, Christian leaders. They watch for your souls as they that must give account. Day by day, in the halls, in the rooms, in our homes, out in business contacts, in shopping, in Bible work, in chance contacts, we're watching, what for? Souls, as they that must give account. Brother Randleman, Brother Niemeyer, could we turn this off just a minute? Now, we want to study a bit more this morning our glorious opportunity and responsibility as leaders in soul winning. This work, of course, includes more than the outreach into the community around us. We were focusing on that as we closed Tuesday morning. It includes everything on this campus, everything on this campus. And this is one of the reasons that I asked Brother Wilson to tell us this little story. Here was a man that in God's providence came on this campus, recommended to us as a possible student. But God used that, as Brother Wilson and others have followed it up, and now they're getting ready for baptism. Praise the Lord. One of the first things that I want us to notice this morning is in your book, Medical Ministry, page 205. Will you turn to that? 205, Medical Ministry. Notice it's talking about leaders. And you, my dear brothers and sisters, are leaders. Oh, listen. If those who hold positions of trust in the institution are persons who love and fear God, they will realize that a sacred responsibility is theirs because of the measure of authority and the consequent influence which their position gives them. Do any of you have authority? Yes, you all have some, or you wouldn't be here this morning. Some have more than others, but you're all dealing with people. They are dealing with human minds being brought into connection with all classes of society, and they should move discreetly 
for they are regarded as representatives of the institution. Now this is the first big point I want to have before us this morning. You are regarded as what? As a representative of what? Of the institution. Do you know that there are literally thousands of people, some in the church, some in the world, who have a picture of Wildwood that they got, perhaps from just one person? Yes. Their whole idea of Wildwood is a matter. Well, they met so-and-so. He's from Wildwood. Or maybe they came on this campus. And they saw Brother Randleman at recordings. Or they saw somebody up at the press or the supply or in the office. Or they came here to the desk and they made some inquiry. Or they came to see a patient. Or so on, on and on and on. And the image that they carry in their minds is that's what Wildwood is like. Now, with some of us, uh, more have had opportunity. But whether it's two or three or half a dozen or a dozen, there isn't any one of us, nor all of us here together that project the full image of Wildwood. Am I right? And yet people judge it that way. That's what we're getting at. And remember, if a man thinks a thing is so, it's just as much so to him as though it were so. Right? See. All right. They should move discreetly, for they are regarded as representatives of the institution. Multitudes of firms spend thousands and in some cases millions of dollars to influence public opinion. They take out big ads in the papers and in the journals. And yet all the while, their employees, their officers, may be doing things or failing to do things that undermine their influence and all that money spent in advertising can't compensate. Now, we're not spending money in advertising. Praise God, we don't need to. We have an opportunity to build an image for this institution. And yet, in a sense, I don't like that expression at all. But you know probably what I'm trying to say. Really, folks, our job is not to say, now what kind of image do we want to project? And then seek to do that. All we need to do is let Jesus in our hearts and be like him in our intercourse with people, and he'll take care of the image. But this experience must be ours, and we must be able to communicate it to those who work with us. Because the dozen or more folks that are in this room this morning are not the only ones that meet these people, right? The girl at the desk may be the only one that has a contact. I was impressed with what uh, Brother Atherton was telling me experience that uh, came to us here a year or two ago. Uh, his father-in-law was a patient here in this sanitarium. 
and this dear man getting along in years, and uh, he has not known the joy of faith in the Bible. But do you know the thing that made the greatest impression on his mind while he was here, and a good number of impressions were made? It was the folks that did the cleaning in his room. Yes, they had a special influence in reaching his heart and impressing upon him the sincerity of our workers and the Christian joy of their experience. My dear brothers and sisters, this is why we must have not merely a Seventh-day Adventist staff from top to bottom at all levels. We must have a converted, joyous, loving personnel at all levels. And one of our greatest jobs as leaders is to accomplish that objective. And this is not done by computerized methods. This is not done basically by screening processes. There is no questionnaire that we can prepare that will in advance tell us whether this individual that's coming here is a converted, loving Christian, or whether they're not. You all know that, don't you? But more than that, our job, brothers and sisters, is to help some of our workers and students that aren't, I word it this way, as converted as they ought to be, to help them be that way. See, we're not just a sorting machine. The time has not yet come to separate the wheat and the tares, the sheep and the goats. I'm sure that each one of us, as we look in the mirror of God's law and his love morning by morning, see much that disappoints us as we look into our own lives, right? But we have faith that he that has begun a good work in us will carry it on and finish it. Now, we must have that same faith for our fellow workers. And this is what I want to share with you this morning is some things in this matter, because really, as leaders, we have the opportunity, dear ones, of doing something that will prepare this staff, this campus, for the great demonstration. Oh, how God is longing to make that. Ministry of Healing 493. Regard yourselves as missionaries, first of all, among your fellow workers. Is our first mission field St. Elmo, Trenton, Chattanooga? No. Our first mission field is where? Our fellow workers. Our fellow workers. Our first mission field isn't even the patients that God sends us here. Our first mission field is what? Our fellow workers. Did you know that? <coughs> Regard yourselves as missionaries, first of all, among your fellow workers. So far as we are capable, 
we are to be to others what Jesus was to his disciples. Have you got some disciples? You're to be to them what Jesus was to his disciples. Now, this has two applications. Each of you is to be to all your fellow workers and all the students as you come in contact with them, as far as you can that Jesus was to his disciples. But, let me get the light focused a bit. There are certain people that you can reach as Jesus reached his disciples. Think of how wonderful he was, how great he was. We're told you and I can't equal the pattern, but we're to imitate it. But with all his wonderful attributes and capacities, he limited himself largely to 12 people. You know what I mean when I say that. You know, I don't say he limited himself 24 hours a day, seven days a week to 12 people. No, no. He met the multitudes, and he had the 70 as well as the 12. But if you study his life work, those three and a half years, the thing that stands out was his training of the twelve. It won't be strange if you and I have to have an inner circle smaller than that. None of us here would presume to think that we had as much capacity as he had. Uh, he had. We are to be as responsive to God with our small capacity as he was with his large capacity. I'm going to have some things on this tomorrow night at the Vesper service on this matter of our capacity and reflecting the image of Jesus fully, the Lord willing. But note this morning, you do have, should have, an inner circle of people, that you are being to them, as far as you are capable, what Jesus was to his disciples. Do you know who they are? It's your privilege to know. Don't misunderstand me. I've already covered the ground that our unconscious influence is to go out with everybody we meet, to everybody we meet on campus and off campus, we're to represent Jesus. But I'm zeroing in now on a smaller group that each of you is destined under God to influence. The people in your home, perhaps, the people that you work with, God can help you as you sit here and as you meet him day by day on your knees, to be conscious, yes, there's John. He's one that God has given me to influence. There's Mary. And so on. Now, go back to Medical Ministry 205. The second paragraph, the first two lines, 
What's the third word? Influence. Whose influence? Your influence. Let's read these two lines together. Let your influence be persuasive, binding people to your heart, because you love Jesus and they are his. This is a great work. Oh, it is, folks. Your influence is to be what? What's the word? Persuasive. What does that mean? Does it mean demanding? Does it mean compelling? Persuasive. What a word. I marvel again and again at the preciseness of the choice of words in the spirit of prophecy. While Sister White, as a human agent, selected these words, yet she acknowledged her dependence on the Holy Spirit to select the right word. This is the right word. Persuasive. Persuasive includes convincing people that a certain thing is right and also helping them to get to the place where they want to do it and do it. All of that is involved in this word persuasive. Correct? Yes. A call porter. Oh, how he studies this science of getting people's attention, getting their interest, awakening their desire, and leading them to decision. Yes, I'll take that. I'll take that. Your influence is to be what? Persuasive. But notice that next phrase. What is it? Binding people to your heart. Binding people to your heart. Now, we're looking at an area here that emphasizes the importance of men working for men and women working for women. While, as Jesus did, we're to reach all classes, And we're to be kind and courteous to everybody. Yet there is a closeness that God wants to give you if you're a man with some other man that you can never have, never should have with some other woman unless that woman belongs to you, some relative. That isn't what I'm discussing. I'm talking about soul winning. And I'm talking about work for fellow workers in this inner circle, spiritual ministry. And if a man undertakes to do this kind of work that we're studying this morning with a woman that's not related to him, both he and the woman are in peril. And the more they succeed in that spiritual closeness, the more perilous is the ground they're on. And the same if it's a woman working for some man. And don't misunderstand me. I want to cover the ground. We're to be kind and courteous to everybody. And we all have opportunities to help everybody. You understand that? I'm talking about this inner closeness. 
And may I tell you, on the other hand, there are some people that never achieve this with anybody. <laughs> Plenty of people. They simply go along and they're kind and they do their work. They keep the wheels going. But there's no soul that they identify with in a strong, close, spiritual relationship. Now, I can't read your mind, dear friend, but it wouldn't be strange if in as large a group as we have here this morning, there is some person whose mind begins to wake up and you say, well, maybe that's not been my experience. My dear friend, I encourage you, seek God with all your heart that he'll give you somebody that you can be to in a very special way what Jesus was to his disciples. Yes. This campus needs that kind of leadership at all levels. So does every other campus. This is the life of our work. May I tell you this has been the life of our work for 33 years on this hill. This is one of the outstanding things that makes this place different from a lot of other places. To the extent we have it, we're a blessing. To the extent we lose it, sooner or later we lose our destiny on every other point. This is the key. It is the personal concern of leaders at all levels for people that they can have close spiritual contact with. It's wrapped up in this wonderful sentence that you're looking at. Will you read it with me again? Let your influence be persuasive, binding people to your heart because you love Jesus and they are his. All right. Now, why is it that you are to do this? Because you love Jesus. See, this isn't some Kiwanis Club backslapping thing. This isn't some programmed uh, big buddy system. No, no. The thing that binds people to your heart is that you love Jesus, and what's the rest of that sentence? And they are his. They're not yours. But friend, if you're a Christian, don't you have more concern about what belongs to God than what belongs to yourself? Here is something that's worth more than your automobile, your money, your career, your reputation, your position. It's the souls that God has destined to be within your inner circle. There it belongs to Jesus. And he has committed them to your care. He has, as it were, given you a commission, like he did to Peter after his conversion. 
Simon, do you love me? Oh, yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my lambs. But Simon, do you really love me? Oh, yes. Feed my sheep. But, oh, Peter, do you really, really love me? Oh, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Oh, friends, the best of workers get discouraged at times. The best of workers need counsel at times. And God in his providence, if, if you've got one hand on Jesus, he'll help you get that other hand, a hold of the person that needs help at the right time. I've seen it hundreds of times. And how precious it is, friends, to be the right man with the right word at the right place at the right time. That's your destiny. This is a great work. This whole page, the next, is tremendous. Now turn to 182. Same book, Medical Minutes. 182. All our institutions should be missionary agencies in every sense of the word. No work is to be allowed to hinder the work of soul saving. In every institution there is missionary work to be done. What's the first word of that sentence? No. Yes, what's the first word? In. What's that mean? Within it, yeah. Not just outside, in Chattanooga, before pain. We have that. We were talking about that the other day. We still want to be thinking about it. But this morning we, were, we are zeroing in on our precious opportunity, great privilege, heavy responsibility in helping those nearest to us. In er no work is to be allowed to hinder the work of soul saving. In every institution there is missionary work to be done. From the manager down to the humblest worker, all should feel a responsibility for the unconverted among their own number. They should put forth earnest efforts to win them to Christ. As a result of such effort, many will be won to the Savior. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? So... Well, I see we have six minutes left. I want to hear from you. What did you get this morning? What did you get the other day? What is God pouring into your heart? Is there something that you feel impressed to mention of what God is talking to your own heart? Let's discuss it a little. That's an important thought, isn't it, folks? You see, there's something about certain duties we have that go on, whether we're hot or cold, 
strong or weak. See, the people at the desk, they're going to be at the desk on duty this morning, whether they got some spiritual manner or not, aren't they? See, those things go on with all of them. And what Ken says is so. This isn't automatic. We have to go over it again and again. Gary? I think it's so easy as we get involved with our, our work here to, to forget this objective, too. We get so busy and, and the things that come up, and believe me, there are a lot of things happening here that can divert your attention from this objective. And my wife and I were talking about this objective the other morning. You almost feel like taking and putting a big sign right over your bedroom door, you know, that says our one and only objective is souls. Mm-hmm. So that each morning, that's the first thing that you see. Somehow you have to all day keep that in your mind, even though things do come up. To remember that objective. All right, now this closing thought. If we're not careful, we'll take a lesson like we've had this morning, and we'll think of it as a compartment over here. And we will wish that we didn't have quite so much to do down at the nutrition center, Cliff, so that we could do this. Not quite so much to do in the business office, Gary, so that we could do this, and so on. Dear ones, somebody is programming our day, and he is planning every experience that comes to us today to be a laboratory to work out what we studied this morning. So instead of lamenting circumstances and saying, oh, if I could just get rid of all this stuff, then I could do what we studied this morning. The stuff is the laboratory where we carry this up. Is it? May we kneel together. Oh, my Father, is it really true that Thou hast chosen the men and women in this room to be to others as far as we are capable what Jesus was to His disciples? Make it so today through the glory of His Spirit's presence. We thank Thee in His wonderful name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.